Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and I'm a Forbes contributor covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. Our guest today is Mari Kuraishi, who is the CEO and co-founder of Global Giving, one of the oldest crowdfunding sites on the internet, launched half a decade or more before Kickstarter and Indiegogo. So really a long history, relatively speaking, in the crowdfunding space. So Mari, welcome to the show. Devin, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, you clearly are one of the real leading minds, the great thinkers in the crowdfunding space, so it's an honor to have you, and we're grateful that you would take the time. Of course, Global Giving is focused exclusively on nonprofits. Tell us a little bit more about the Global Giving model. So the Global Giving model is founded in a profound belief that individuals and communities can do, can figure out what is best for them and what they lack is access to resources and networks. So my co-founder and I, Dennis Whittle, uh, both came from the World Bank where we did a lot of international development, worked with sovereign governments and ministers of finance and central banks and at the end of the day, we were convinced that the people we met on the ground actually had the best uh, ideas and the greatest commitment to seeing things through. And we really wanted to see a platform that could support them. So we are truly committed to locally driven development. That's really an interesting insight. Uh, and, and really a powerful one, too, uh, especially as evidenced by your success over the years. Uh, give us some sense, uh, to put this into perspective, about how much money have you helped uh, nonprofits raise over the last uh, 12 or 13 years? We have raised over $160 million from over um, 300,000 donors and sent them to over 11,000 projects in over 150 countries in the world. Wow. Just uh, amazing accomplishments, amazing work, all coming from that key insight that people on the ground sometimes have the best insights. We've talked a little bit to some of your team about uh, uh, Ebola efforts, and you have been pretty active in the Ebola space. Can you just take us take a minute and update us on the uh, progress uh, that you've been making and raising money for and helping to alleviate uh, Ebola-related problems there in West Africa? Sure. So, you know, Ebola as a crisis sort of erupted on our screens in, here in the U.S. really over the summer and into the fall. Uh, but it's been, it's been a sort of slow burn crisis that has been starting uh, really, you know, a, a year, more than a year ago, became a really urgent issue in uh, certain countries in West Africa in uh, the spring. And 
you know, by the time we became aware of it, you know, the 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 the, the disease was spreading in Liberia at you know unsustainably high rates. It it looked like disaster uh, was about to strike everywhere, not just West Africa. Um, since then, we have been able to raise uh, over $3 million for the efforts uh, to stop and prevent the disease from spreading in uh, West Africa, um, mostly from uh, some very generous uh, families and institutional foundations, as well as over 50,000 uh, individuals. And they have been able to support, help us support local organizations that are really doing the groundwork in preventing the spread of Ebola. And what does that mean? Well, that means going household to household, identifying potentially infected people, identifying who may have had contact with them, recording this, following them during the incubation period of the disease to ensure that those people who did come into contact with the infected person actually are not infected, and then ensuring that the infected people are taken to the right uh, centers in whatever uh, city uh, they are located in. And those organizations are, you know, they're, they're not necessarily medical organizations, but they are trusted community organizations. As you might imagine, this is a, this is a hor you know, sort of terrifying disease. And for those households who are exposed to it, they really need someone who can speak their language, who understand their culture, understand their community, to come in and help them deal with it. So we're very proud to have been able to support some of the small organizations working in Liberia, uh, Sierra Leone, and Guinea uh, with using the, the financial resources uh, made possible through our crowdfunding efforts. Well, you know, it really is an important effort that you're doing, an important impact, because I, I think a lot of organizations have raised a lot of money uh, around the Ebola story, and some are and some are not actually working on the ground directly in Ebola relief efforts. Uh, some are working at the edges, the periphery, and it's a little bit dif difficult for lay participants sitting in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, to figure out who's actually doing some something with impact in the Ebola fight on the ground in New Guinea. So uh, what you're doing is really very important in trying to help us screen and identify the people with impact. And um, really, uh, it speaks highly about uh, the, the impact and the value of global giving. You have a, a somewhat unique model, and I want you to talk a little bit more about this, that uh, many crowdfunding sites operate with a come one, come all, very lightly screened kind of platform. They, they, they screen for things that they find objectionable, maybe hate, criminal activity. Uh, uh, some sites would preclude you from uh, doing something gun-related or weapons-related. Uh, sure. You're really curating. You're really screening to make sure that organizations that are raising money on your site are actually doing some good. Tell us a little bit about your screening process, how it works, and who gets through the screen. Sure. So we are open to applications from any organization in the world. So they all apply. 
but when after they have applied, we're effectively taking them through a screen that to in the international grant making sort of wonky world would be called equivalency determination. Well, what does it mean in plain English? What it means is that we are looking at the organization's financials, we're looking at their staff and their board, running them through various uh, checks. Uh, we are looking at their program materials, we are checking references, and we're carrying out conversations with each and every single one of the organizations that has applied to ensure that they are equivalent to a U.S. charity. This is for the purposes of ensuring that the donors who make uh, donations, U.S. donors who make donations through globalgiving.org are getting a, are getting, are making sure that their funds are going to something that is equivalent to a U.S. charity. And that is important for many of the corporate partners that we work with, as it is to the individual who is giving $10 to the Ebola relief effort. Yeah, it's... Uh really a value-added piece. Now, Mari, <clears throat> you've been at this for a, a long time. I mean, let's, let's be realistic. You, perhaps, certainly one of the very oldest crowdfunding sites uh, on the planet. Where do you go from here? What are your plans going forward? How do you increase your impact? So, of course, you know, we were focused on just survival and proving our model for the first uh, nine years of our existence. And I'm very proud to say that even as a nonprofit, we were able to achieve operational cost uh, self-sufficiency, financial self-sufficiency, uh, three years ago when our revenues started matching our expenses. So we're, we're sort of here to stay, which is fantastic. It wasn't always clear. I mean, many, many a time I sort of looked at our payroll and said, are you really going to make that? So we're here to stay. And now that we're here to stay, I really want to sort of, for us to go back to our roots. We were founded in the belief that we could help make philanthropy and development more democratic, that is, open to many more comers, but also more effective. And in order to make the philanthropy more effective, we need to ensure that the dollars that flow through global giving are going to more effective organizations. Now, we could say, we're just going to narrow our focus and really give to only the best of the best and not give to thousands of organizations worldwide. But that's that's sort of goes entirely counter to our theory of change that says, you know, organizations on the ground are actually doing the real work. And if we want to operate in 150 different countries and in all the hardest to reach communities, we can't narrow our focus. There are not enough, you know, sort of blue chip organizations, as it were, operating in all the remote communities we want to reach. So what we have uh, decided is that now that we have a platform that thousands of organizations are, are logging into every week, 40% of the organizations we work with log in with us every week. So we really have their attention. Now that we have their attention, we want to provide data, tools, and metrics for them to see how they are doing on the ground. And so increasingly, we are going to be pushing organizations to give us evidence that they are improving their results. So it doesn't matter whether you are a tiny little organization starting out in Nairobi, as long as you are showing improvement by listening to your constituents, by 
taking advantage of resources that you have available to you, not just through us, but from the World Wide Web, and learning and changing your behavior, we will make sure that you have more visibility in our website, you have better access to the corporate partner programs that we run, and therefore make it possible for you to simultaneously focus on performance and fundraising at the same time. This is a dilemma that many nonprofits face. Well, I could spend time on fundraising, or I could spend time improving my programs. Usually those things are far apart. Yeah. We want to bring them together. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, well, Mari, I, I'm excited about your future. Before you go, I want to ask you just a, uh, two or three questions here real quickly. Mm -hmm. You've been doing some amazing work. Who inspires you? Who do you look to as a role model, uh, when, especially when you're down or facing the big challenges? Absolutely. So my role model is someone probably no one uh, listening to your podcast has, uh, has heard of, uh, which, and her name is Nancy uh, Waweru. She is a leader in her community in Kenya, and she runs an organization called VAP, um, and it is an organization that works with youth. She started out with the idea that there were all these young kids in her community, they seemed to have nothing to do after school, so she started a soccer club. Pretty simple. Then she started uh, noticing that they would show up you know, in the morning, as well as after school. They clearly didn't have a safe place to hang out. And they saw her, and they were like, oh, she's the lady who runs a soccer club. We'll hang out in the morning, as well as in the afternoon. She also recognized that many of them were sort of barely literate. So she said, okay, I'll, let's not just do soccer. We'll do, you know, literacy programs as well. Then she started listening to them and understood that there was, you know, uh, the HIV crisis had not sort of bypassed these kids, they were right in the middle of it. And they were also in the middle of, you know, all sorts of sort of domestic violence, sexual predation, and she started arming these kids with all sorts of tools to, to sort of deal with these crises happening in their communities. And she's this tiny organization. In 2007, her budget was $800. And to me, the, the idea that you could be working in some of the most difficult communities in the world, but consistently listening to you know, some of the most underprivileged people in that community, and really listening to them, and really meeting their needs, and constantly figuring out what you need, what the community needed, I just think it's, it's amazing. You know, I have it easy. I, I occasionally worry about payroll a couple of years ago. Well, Fine. But I, I'm here with, you know, consistent access to electricity. I have the World Wide Web at my fingertips. Nancy doesn't have any of these things. And to be able to be in a position to, now she's raised over $22,000 in global giving, that to me makes me get up in the morning and face any challenge that I can, you know, uh, see on my radar screen. No, that's amazing. Great story. Great story. My heavens. Well, that is an inspiration. Well, well, Mari, you are an extremely capable person. That's obvious from all you've accomplished. Tell us 
why you've chosen to do this. There, there are so many things in the world you could be doing, many of which would make you a wealthy woman. Why are you doing this? I think there are a couple of things. One is that I never wake up in the morning wondering why am I doing this. It's crystal clear to me why I'm doing this. So that, you know, that little existential angst doesn't happen. The other is that, you know, as, as, as someone who had an idea and was fortunate enough to get the resources to, to make it happen, I was able to create an organization that has incredible committed people, you know, and I was able to realize this idea I always had working in large institutional contexts that if we free people up and release them from, you know, unnecessary sort of administrivia, they can contribute so much more to the world. And, and, to, a, and to a great extent, I've been able to do that here at Global Giving. I, I love to make things, you know, in my spare time. I, I cook, knit, sew, you know, that Martha Stewart wannabe. And so this idea of making an organization and creating its culture and molding it, it that's also, I mean, it's a, it's a total free, it's a total privilege. So oh. that's another reason. Well, I get that it's inspiring to go to work every day knowing that you're helping other people. And that's, that is, uh, th there probably is no greater motivation to get up in the morning. Let's, uh, let me ask you one final question, Mari. Because you've accomplished so much, you're really an authority. And so this, this is really valuable to our audience. But everybody who's listening wants to increase their impact, wants to increase the good that they're doing in the world. Give us one tip that would help us increase our impact in the world? You know, one tip that I can give you, um, you know, I used to be one of these sort of know-it-all people, you know, thought I was the smartest kid in the room, whatever. And the last, you know, 48 years have been an exercise in learning that I really need to listen other people and and not listen to other people so that they can tell me what to do and you know I'm not going to say follow but to be really present and to listen to somebody is something that will begin to sort of shape your world in very unexpected ways if you can truly listen to what somebody is telling you whether it is about themselves about the world about their community or even about yourself it truly transforms the way you then act back in the world and massive can, can have massive implications for how you have impact on the world, on your friends, your family, your community, your world. So if, the, if there's one tip, you know, just turn off the little microphone that's going on in your head and speaking even as you are listening to somebody and just really listen. That is a great insight. I think we all struggle with that to one degree or another. We could all improve on our listening, our, our being present in a conversation. So thank you very much for that insight. It's really a, a powerful tip. 
Well, Mari, before you go, please tell us, uh, because I know there will be people who are interested to learn. They'll, they'll want to know how to get involved. They'll want to know how to donate, how to apply to participate. Where, where do they go? How do they start that process? Um, globalgiving.org. If you're a nonprofit trying to get on the site, click on the Nonprofits tab. If you're a donor, all your choices are right there in front of you. And if you would like to come and work at Global Giving, Click on the About Us page. We always have jobs and internships available. Fantastic. Mari, thank you very much for joining us today. It's just been a joy to have you. Thank you, Devin. It's a real pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.